welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 253 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I'm really excited to be back with a brand new interview. I'm joined by Eileen Smith. She is the author of Moving Beyond Trauma, and she is a trauma healer and somatic experiencing practitioner. It's such a treat to have her on the show to talk about the role that trauma plays in all of our lives and how we are collectively in a trauma vortex right now. I cannot wait to get to this conversation. Before we get to the show, I want to give you all a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for tuning in this week and making the choice to make Jumpstart Your Joy part of your week. I am really grateful for each of you. If you want to find out more about the show, maybe you're new, you can find out everything about Jumpstart Your Joy over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can find everything about this interview, including all of the links to Eileen's website and where you can buy her book, which I highly recommend, at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Eileen, I-L-E-N-E. And while you're there, you're going to want to make sure and get on my newsletter, which is all about three joyful things. And it gets sent out every week. I recap some of the interesting things that are happening behind the scenes and talk about how you can tap into the inspiration, intention, and action to bring more joy into your everyday life. I'm really excited to have Eileen on the show And excited to have her talk about something that is sometimes a little bit daunting, and that is the role of trauma in our lives. According to Eileen and so many others, everyone will have gone through some sort of trauma in their life. And I think it's really important to start to look at this as something that we are all experiencing instead of it just being a one-time event that somebody might have because of an individual incident in their life. I love that Eileen is sharing ways that you can restart and reconnect with your nervous system after experiencing trauma and how trauma works and gets stuck in your body. This is a really great conversation, especially because during this pandemic, we are all stuck in this trauma vortex, as Eileen calls it. And I think it's really important to start to raise your awareness of where you are, what you are feeling, and then make some very intentional choices to find things that feel centering and pleasurable and find a way to also enjoy the things that are good in your life, even though we are all very much living in a difficult time right now. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Eileen. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. And thanks for having me. It's totally my pleasure. I really enjoyed reading your book. And before we get to that, I would like to ask you the first question that I ask everybody, which is, tell us what you loved most as a child or in school. What were your earliest sparks of joy? Wow, what a great question. I would say some of my favorite memories as a child would be getting up early, riding my bike alongside my dad while he jogged, and then going out for breakfast to the local diner and uh, having having a very specific meal of a, a Danish and a tomato juice with lemon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's like it's like one of some of my fondest childhood memories are, are those mornings with my dad. 
Isn't that so funny? I, and it's, it's always interesting to hear because I, I believe in your book, you also mentioned you, you do still love to run yourself even though you were riding a bike then. It's so interesting how those things play through to our modern day selves too. Oh yeah. And I think not online with what the book talks about, but just that our little bodies are so intuitive and they know what they need. Mm, yeah. And with that lens too, it's really interesting that a lot of the people, when they answer that question, it's being out in nature or doing something physical or something creative. Like there's a lot of action. Little bodies know they need. (laughs) Very cool. So would you like to tell us about what it is that you do now and who you work with? So I am a somatic experiencing practitioner and I work with all sorts of populations. I do specialize in eating disorders. I work a lot with addiction, anxiety, depression, physical pain. It's just across the gamut. However, the behavior sort of manifests. My belief is behind all of these mental health issues is really unresolved trauma that's locked in the body. So in some ways, it doesn't matter to me how it manifests. We need to get to the under underbelly of it, which is that trauma piece. I know that Peter Levine wrote a really wonderful book about trauma. And there's another one, The Body Knows the Score. If people are not familiar with somatics and somatic experiencing, could you explain what it is and sure. how it gets to the heart of things? Yeah. The philosophy behind Peter's work is that trauma is not necessarily about an event. It's really about that energy that gets locked in our bodies around real or perceived threat. So we have to work with our body's most primitive instincts in order to resolve that trauma piece that's locked in the body. And you know, so much of what we do in talk therapy is such a cognitive process. And so this is about bringing that unsafe body that's had trauma. It's about bringing it back online and creating the body as a safe container so that we can move through our experiences differently. So if you think about animals in the wild, and this is where Peter started exploring this trauma piece, he was trying to understand why animals in the wild didn't get traumatized and why people do. And what he found is that animals intuitively shake off their trauma and they have what he calls a biological completion. And we have the same need in our bodies in order to integrate the trauma. And so that kind of means that some of that energy that maybe gets stuck, I know you talk about in the tissues, that it stays there because we don't honor our biological need to act out the the resolution of the trauma and then that manifests itself in many ways, I guess, within our, yeah. our mental health. Yeah, and, and it's like what it really does, if you think about it, it just jacks up our nervous system. It just creates all sorts of imbalances in our nervous system. So if you think about what happens when our bodies are under threat, mm-hmm. they go into their survival instincts of fight, flight, or freeze. And fight, flight, or freeze is only meant for acute states. And so when we've been traumatized, it's like the fight, flight, or freeze switch doesn't get shut off. And our bodies stay in that hypervigilant sort of way of behaving where we're in our defense mechanisms. We're constantly living in that defensive posture. Mm -hmm. Or our bodies, if fight or flight doesn't work, our bodies shut down and they go into freeze. And I love that you've underlined that it can happen due to a threat or a perceived threat. Because I think oftentimes we think of 
trauma being related to a specific traumatic incident, but sometimes it isn't just a one-time thing for more of a generalized trauma that people may be experiencing. Yeah. So I would, I would say it this way. We have things like, you know, everyone hears, you know, the term PTSD, but what we don't talk about a lot is what we call complex PTSD, which is generally a series of stressful events. It can be a childhood filled with stress. It could be a relationship that, you know, you're just constantly not feeling safe. And so those create what we call complex PTSD. Like PTSD is usually an event. Mm -hmm. complex is ongoing. And I think that's such an important thing for people to understand, along with something that I appreciated in your book as well, in that you say that everyone at some point has experienced some sort of trauma in their life. But sometimes people assume that it's only a, a certain event or a certain type of event, and that only a few people might have trauma. Yeah. And I mean, if you're human at some point in your life, you're going to experiencing something that is traumatic. So let's, we have to define trauma, right? Is just that energy that gets locked in your body when you don't feel safe. And so it just depends to what degree you're going to experience it and how quickly after that event you feel safe is going to have a lot to do with how quickly you recover and how resilient you're going to feel from the event. You know, also going into the event, if you don't have a lot of resilience, it may impact you at a much deeper level than it would impact someone who had more resources and was more well-equipped going in. So all of those things impact how we come out on the other side of it. And I can see that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of my own, my own story of, of and how... It is helpful to be better resourced now and understand and be aware of my own self because it does help when new things arise. And, and I think that's kind of what, the, what your book does so beautifully is it gives us first that awareness of what is trauma. And then I love books like yours. You do this beautiful job of offering us the assessments of where might trauma be showing up in your life and then how to address it. And so I think that's so helpful kind of to your point of when you're better resourced, you're also better equipped to handle the next time that something traumatic happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know in my own life, that's has certainly been the case. You know, I talk about this in the book pretty early on to give the reader some idea and some hope that life can feel okay. You know, when my husband passed away suddenly about four years ago, I'd been a patient of the work and a student as well. And it was the most devastating experience in my life, losing him suddenly. Mm -hmm. But I also, for the first time in my life, you know, I had done so much somatic work. I was able to, you know, I was obviously first in shock the first 24 hours, but I watched myself after that just be able to move through the waves of intense grief that I felt. And I knew that no matter what was going to happen next, that I was going to be safe. And that's really what the work does for you when you resolve trauma from, the, from a body-based perspective. Yes. And thank you for sharing that story. I was, I was really moved by it and, and moved that you decided to share it as well, because I think people maybe they don't fully understand the importance of starting now <laughs> and then giving yourself those resources because then the next time something comes up, 
you know how to handle it and you can have that kind of experience of having faith that these things, you know, that you have a tool, a toolkit to work your way through these things. Yeah, for sure. I'd spent years and years in talk therapy, but I also knew that my nervous system was still sort of jacked up, even though I had done all that talk therapy. Mm-hmm. And the the somatic work was just so life-changing because it's just working on your nervous system. It's teaching your nervous system how to find some balance. And that's like beyond the cognitive process, that's what's really important. And you know, the cognitive process, I don't want to minimize it is really important because it helps us better understand ourselves. It helps us get into relationship with ourselves. It gives us insight into who we are. But at a certain point, it doesn't regulate the nervous system. And I've seen a lot of people in talk therapy. And if you just keep retelling your story, what happens is you don't get a chance to create a different relationship with it. So it's really that relationship shift has to really happen with the body. I know in my own path, part of the therapy was tapping. And this was all before I I really had even the vocabulary or the understanding. uh, I had not gone through life coach training at that point. And I didn't know why that worked or why that seemed to make sense. (laughs) But it worked. Yeah, it did. And yet I still also feel like sometimes I get back into some of the the places where I get stuck. And so I think understanding that there is the physical component and that working through it or like working out or doing some of the exercises that you suggest can be helpful as well, even once you've been through some of the therapy piece of it. Oh, yeah. I think the staying connected to your body, because it's so easy to disconnect when we're stressed. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, too, I know what to do to keep myself in my body. But, you know, there are times when I'm feeling really dysregulated, like my brain is saying, no, I don't want to get in there. (laughs) And so it's sometimes you just have to white knuckle it a little bit, too. Yeah, I I really appreciate it as well that you mentioned that your training had been in in some of the mindfulness work and then you moved into more of the somatic realm. And it seems that the white knuckling piece, (laughs) maybe is that some of, is that some of mindfulness coming to play that, you know, you're catching yourself in the gap moment and knowing I have to make a choice here that maybe I don't really want to do, but that is going to help me in the long run. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like you never feel worse after meditation. You know, you never feel you never feel worse after a yoga class. I mean, yes. you think about it, right? It's like even though you may not want to go, like I know I had that experience yesterday. Like, and I was I was like, oh, I don't really feel like going. And I'm like, you know, 15 minutes into the class, I was like, how could I ever think that this wasn't a, a good idea? Right. And I, yeah, I don't know why we get so stubborn. <laughs> That's where my brain was going. It's like, why do we get stubborn and not want to go? It's probably like sometimes we just don't want to get in our bodies. You know, it's just easier to just check out and disconnect from it. Because it means you don't have to feel as much maybe or exactly. Yeah, it's fear. Yeah. Well, so I feel like we could also shift this conversation. This is a a strange time for all of us being uh, (laughs) May of 2020. So we're a pandemic situation here. And so I feel like that might be the next place to head here because everything feels very topical as far as COVID-19 goes. And so maybe we could talk a little bit about what you're seeing come up for people that, well, probably all people, if everyone has experienced some trauma at some point in their life, 
then there's other people that have other diagnoses. How is trauma showing up or how is it impacting people during this time? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing to even talk about is the fact that this experience in itself is a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. So, right, what is trauma? It's, you know, too much, too soon, too fast without any way to defend yourself. And so, and what I believe is happening is I think that we're living in a collective trauma vortex. And so I think obviously, like what we were talking about before, those people that have more resilience, have more resources, are going to navigate through this a little bit better. But all in all, our whole universe has been completely disoriented. And so, I mean, to start with, there's less distractions. So people are now having to sit with their pain and their discomfort. They can't use all the distractions they were doing. Look, it's not an accident that liquor sales increase significantly during this time, right? People are trying yeah. to find a way to numb out. Right. I know one of the conversations I was having with someone is that like the onset of the pandemic really, it really brought us down to the bottom of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, meaning we are now, or at least at the very beginning, it became a concern that would our all the basics of our livelihood and our safety were called into question? Meaning, would there be food? Will I have a job? Like all that stuff just came. Will up I have toilet paper? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, another traumatic event. Um, yeah. uh, going going to get toilet paper in itself was traumatic. It was. It was totally surreal to take my son, and I was. We went to Costco. And I was like, oh boy, I don't think I should have brought you here. <laughs> like I didn't know what this was going to be. Can you imagine what this is doing to children? Like what this experience would be like for kids? No, I can't. And I mean, I think the only thing that I can liken it to, so I was born in the 70s and the Cold War scared the pants out off of me. (laughs) And I remember very vividly thinking that every time an airplane would go overhead, is it going to drop a bomb on me? Like I remember that being a real thought. So if I can tap into that, I don't, I can't comprehend what these thoughts and the fear. I I think it's just a different, it's different because it's so visual too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people with masks, you know, the gloves, the whole thing, you know, waiting, you know, in the hours going in and out of stores. I mean, all of that, it's gotta be for kids. Like I had a friend of mine, her son was, he decided he was going to be a little entrepreneur during this time. And he started a little cookie business. Mm. So a couple of weeks ago, they had dropped off some cookies over at my place and they were in their car. And I said, do you guys want to go, come in? And my friend Robin looked at me and she said, no, the kids are so freaked out about having contact with other people. And when, you know, I share this, it's been way more relaxed here in Arizona, the way that I know like California has been so strict. I mean, we're people here, things are opening up here. So it's, it feel, it's a little different now, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's going to be an interesting psychological case study to see how these children come out the other side. Is there something that comes to mind that maybe parents or people that care for children can do or notice or encourage during this time from kind of that trauma perspective or? Yeah, I think the big thing is, I think you have to have real and honest conversations with your kids. But I also think it's really important as a parent to make your kid feel safe. And I think that's sort of the caveat to that is, if you don't feel safe as an adult during this time, 
your kids are going to feel it. So their nervous systems are going to get dysregulated also. I think as a parent, I think it's really important to, to do your own work and to find your center and stay grounded so that you're helping your children feel supported and safe during this time too. Yeah. Um, and, and not watching the news. I mean, like not sitting in front of the news all day or getting obsessed with the statistics and the hotspots and, the, you know, all of the things that newsreel just keeps playing over and over. And if you look, you can get sucked into it. And I think it can get really scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because it's not like a one-time limited event. I'm trying to think of an equivalent, but we'll just go with other bad news where it plays itself out in a day or a few hours. And then we're all kind of glued and we watch and then we... We move on. This hasn't, this has not, and probably won't for a while let up. Yeah, no, for sure not. Is, are there some things that you might suggest, either some of the exercises or practices that you list in your book or other things that, that you've seen help people remain grounded during this time? Yeah, I give some exercises in the book. And I think every single one of those exercises could be helpful. So it's anything from breath work to um, using a foam roller, to finding things that help you stay connected to your senses. So maybe it's essential oils, maybe it's something tactile, it's having your music playlist. I think all of those things, anything that's going to keep you connected to your body during this time is going to be valuable because that's how you're going to regulate your nervous system. I know one of my self-care friends, Tammy Hackbarth, she was talking about just even the daily walk and the practice of it, of getting back into a body, you know, something that makes your body move, but also being really present for that walk is something that really helps her reset. And I've, <laughs> since hearing that, I have been trying very hard to be like, what do we notice while we're outside? And what does the wind feel like? What are all the tactile sensations? Just so there's something besides just inside these walls of our home. <laughs> It's, no, it's, 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 it's exactly that. I mean, it's all of those things. Your book is a great resource. And are there some other things that you might suggest that would be helpful for starting to become aware or open up the possibilities of, of looking at the trauma? Well, I think to start down that road, I think if you ask yourself if you're not feeling fully connected in your life and something doesn't feel right, that's a really good place to start asking and questioning if there's something that's unresolved in your system. And we often don't think that, that it's trauma related, but if we're experiencing, let's say, behaviors that maybe don't make sense to us, maybe we're reacting, overreacting or underreacting to situations, maybe there's some depression, anxiety, OCD, tendency to, you know, for addiction or eating disorders, those are all signs that there's some unresolved trauma. I think that the, the big issue is that it doesn't get linked. Like people don't recognize that those two things are correlated. And do you find that people generally intuitively can kind of link it? I think people don't intuitively link it. I think they know that something doesn't feel right in their life. And what they try to do is they're trying to figure out that, you know, there's always the, the question of what's wrong with me? Why can't I fix it? Why do I not feel right? And, and so that's, you know, one of the reasons why I wrote the book was to kind of bridge that gap and help people link that 
where they are today has everything to do with their past and all the things that might not have gotten resolved or healed, you know, and to let them know it's really not their fault that they wound up with these maladaptive behaviors, that they wound up, you know, making decisions that not weren't necessarily the best decisions for them. With unresolved trauma, we tend to make decisions from a place of fear and anxiety versus mm-hmm. a place of empowerment. Right. Because we don't really know any different. There was some wisdom probably originally in the way that you became adapted or you adapted a behavior at the right. time. And, and the thing is the, the same brain and body that allowed you to survive can now today help you thrive. I think that's really important to know. I mean, in my own experience, and I got this also from your book, was that there's so much joy on the other side of having worked through each of the things even though it seems really hard and like, I'd probably rather avoid it. (laughs) Well, of course, right? Because aren't we so conditioned in today's society to avoid our feelings and not deal with things? Yeah. Yeah. Or we're told that we're too much if we're too happy or too sad or the the too much thing I think also comes in so big. Yeah. A lot of judgment, right? Yeah. Even if it's just on ourselves, for sure. If someone is really looking to dive into finding out more about trauma, would you share where we can find your book, but also if there's anything else that you might suggest around beginning to work with trauma in their life? Well, for sure, you know, I think my book is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. But again, I think if you're just not feeling okay in your own skin, you know, there's very minute things you can start doing to try to get more connection with yourself. I mean, breath work, going to a yoga class, taking a foam roller out, all of those things are going to be helpful to regulate your nervous system because that ultimately is what needs to happen to resolve the trauma. However you get there, I mean, there's things like neurofeedback, all of those things are helpful. Thank you. And what is the, the best place to find Moving Beyond Trauma? It is on Amazon and it's available in you know uh, paperback, ebook, and there's also the audio version of it. I have one last question that I like to ask people, which is what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? I think that attitude is definitely on the top of that list. I think, you know, that takes us a lot further than we expect. I think getting outside, being in nature, and one that I think is so important is staying connected. Safe connection is so important. It energizes us we, and we need it. We need it for, it's like oxygen. So those would be my top three. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. And thank you for saying safe connection. Like that actually, as strange as it may seem, has not been said before. I think it's so important on so many levels and You know, when I talk about in the book, a healing lifestyle, a big part of that is being around safe people. Mm, Yeah. Mm, Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to find out more about this episode, including links to the things that we've talked about, you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can search for this episode right up there in the right-hand corner of the website. You'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is three joyful things. 
It's where I take a look and give you guys the behind the scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including the inspiration, intention, and action, along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram where my handle is jumpstartyourjoy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at jumpstartyourjoy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.